Welcome to What's Left, a weekly political discussion challenging the mainstream left. I'm Eduardo Barca with co-host, teacher and socialist Andy Lipson and community organizer and socialist Kenny Cepeda. We are online at what-s-left.webnode.com. Uh, please uh, subscribe, rate, review, turn on your notifications and share your favorite episode wherever you found this episode. Thank you. Welcome back, Andy. Thank you uh, very much. <laughs> what do you mean, you welcome were, back? Well, you were on your honeymoon. That is correct. And in in Mexico, and we heard a few short stories. Well, I got into the tail end of it when I logged in. So uh, hopefully, we'll hear some of it. Do more. I look? Do I look more like color in my skin? More pigmentation, yeah. <laughs> and I know, and I know you weren't were not wearing sunblock most of the time. So <laughs> actually, I I had a hat on. I had a hat on, and I wore sunblock back here. And then I, I wore, like, we were swimming in the, in the water a lot um, or going to those cenotes, you know, those, like, well, nice. yeah. sun, uh, one of those cenotes is underground, so you can't get sun then. But um, um, I wore, like, full-sleeve UV protection shirts. Nice. Like a proper white person. Because <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to get this skin exposed, man. I, look at that white skin. <laughs> <laughs> Well, uh, apart from that, the latest developments on what's been going on with work and the uh, scaly hearing, uh, for those that do not know, this episode will be about in another update on uh, our dear Andrew Lipson, Dr. Andrew Lipson's uh, work uh, job, um, maybe I don't know, determination, extermination. And <laughs> that was awful. Uh, suspension. Yeah. Uh, this is one of many episodes of this long long saga on from, from, from the reopening of schools to the disciplinary of um, submitting vaccination centers uh, to the district. So uh, we hope that we'll be uh, filled in with new details. Yeah. Um, so partly, I mean, um, this will be, you know, an update for for everyone who's kind of been following this. But in some ways, since I've been out of the country for a week, this is kind of an update for me to remember all that's kind of happened. Um, and um, I mean, just the punchline is I have been suspended. It's been for 15 days and the suspension started on November 3rd, literally the same day I was leaving the country with Brandy to go to Mexico for our honeymoon. So, um, and that um, suspension, which was a proposal for suspension of 30 days is a suspension of 15 days at this point. Um, and uh, so that, that's the punchline. That's, that's where this episode ends, I guess. But I think there's some things about how we got there and even some potential discussions um, that, might, that, that might come up for me and Eduardo or me, Kenny and Eduardo. Um, because in all honesty, uh, if people remember the last episode we had with Allison, some of the initial updates that I got in relationship to the Skelly hearing actually took place while we were recording an episode of What's Left. And we had to actually stop the episode so I could talk to the lawyer and make a decision about whether I wanted to, quote, accept a deal that um, the district might be offering. Um, and uh, so we'll, we'll go through all that, I guess. I don't know if this is the point where I can ask that, but what is a Skelly hearing? Like, yeah. I don't know if I'm so I think it's from, 
it's for unionized employees, but there, I, I don't know if it extends to all, maybe it might extend to all workers in this country, but it might've been a legal determination made as a result of a union thing. Um, but essentially at any, no worker can be suspended or terminated without a hearing, some kind of hearing process where they get to speak their grievance about and speak in response to the determination that they should be either suspended or terminated. Um, and so the Skelly hearing is, is something that basically says, Hey, I have a right to a Skelly hearing before you go ahead and you can't just suspend, suspend me. My, the question I have is, I don't know if that, I don't know if that's labor law that it covers all workers or if it's just covers unionized workers. I says, I think it might cover all workers. Yeah. Um, I was just looking at the California statewide legal. And the Skelly hearing was that where you were present, or is this does this happen? You 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 were there. Was that the last meeting you had with the? Yeah, and that I'll just so, um, it the Skelly hearing should have you, the the employee who's subject to potential discipline, should have a Skelly officer. Uh, it, I think it should have district people. Um, and uh, and it should have your lawyer and sometimes a union representative. Um, in my case, uh, my Skelly hearing had me, my lawyer, and because the suspension was going to be longer than two weeks, uh, any suspension that could possibly be longer than two weeks had to, must have the presence of the assistant, an assistant to the superintendent present. Um, and in my case, the person who was the Skelly officer was that assistant to the superintendent. So essentially the district and the Skelly officer are the same person. So in my opinion, the prosecution and the judge kind of the same person mm -hmm. in, a, in the Skelly hearing, which is why, you know, even my lawyer said, you know, these things can be uh, rubber stamps. Again, I don't know if we're going in sequences here, but I'm just curious as to, because I know they were contemplating 30 days so you just mentioned that there is a two week uh, difference, right? Like if less than two weeks, you need certain people more than two yeah. weeks. You need... So why did they choose 15 days? I'm just kind of curious. I don't know the answer to that. I have a suspicion that I'll, I'll get to when I talk about how the Skelly hearing went. Maybe mm -hmm. that might be the reason, but I didn't see anything in this document that told me why they went from 15 to 30 days. And, and I think I showed you both the notice of suspension and the the Skelly determination, those are the two documents that, that, that were sent to me. All, of these, all they said was that the, the Skelly officer made the recommendation that it go from not 30 days to it should be 15 days. They didn't really say why. I have a theory on that maybe, but I'm not sure because it doesn't say it in the document. And they may be listening on these episodes. Yeah, I mean, I've already, uh, that's, I'm assuming that actually they could, they might. So I'm going to say what I'm going to say. So you guys go ahead and just ask. All right. This, this is this is just what we're dealing with now, right? And that's why I want to talk about it. Yeah. Uh, should we proceed, Andy? How did you, you want to take it from here? Um, so I'll start with uh, when I talked to my lawyer before the Skelly hearing. One of the, one of the things that irritated me the most, um, and the Skelly hearing was on Friday. The 29th. First. Friday, October 29th, right. Yes. Yeah. Um, Friday, I know that because that was the day that Pfizer was approved by mm -hmm. emergency use for children. Mm -hmm. 
So I had to be on my toes about it because I need to know what's the future. Yeah. So in my discussion with my lawyer, like I definitely acknowledge that there's a difference of opinion about how to look at and in my unwillingness to submit my information for privacy reasons, medical information for privacy reasons. Um, and because I don't like the fact that they're able to disclose this thing in so many different ways, whether it be through its smart sheets dissemination and Microsoft and Microsoft's involvement in smart sheets and the, and the process by which you submit that information um, or for the district itself, basically claiming the ability to share it with who they best see fit um, up and include up to and including potentially parents who come in and ask about a teacher's vaccination status. Um, so it was about having to disclose information that was my private information and the, the possibility of that information being disseminated by somebody else who had, I don't feel like should have the right to do that. So on that basis, I was not willing to submit my, my vaccination status or medical information. Um, and so there's a disagreement about that. And, and the district, when it gave me the proposal for the 30 day suspension, it was a proposal, um, was like, uh, you know, didn't just say, Hey, we disagree. You know, you're not doing what we asked you to do, but they added things like immoral conduct, um, and essentially refusing to do something with no reason, like without real reason, essentially, as if I was just kind of just doing it, um, out of obstinance. Um, and so those, those two things irritated me. When I talked to my lawyer and said, is there any way we can really deal with some of this language? Like in terms of, I do have a reason for it. And I don't like the fact that it's considered immoral. She was pretty much like, there's not much you can do about that. That's just like when they look at the various parts of the ed code that you're, you're breaking, they have to just cite these different things, you know? Um, and so um, I did, in, during the Skelly hearing, I did want to speak to that. Like I did want to um, speak to the, 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 the notion that I, there's no reason for me doing what I'm doing. Like I'm just being unreasonable. And the fact that it's, that what I'm doing is immoral. Um, and so uh, that gets me to Friday and the Skelly hearing, like I said before, was the Skelly officer, my lawyer and me. Um, and should I say about some of the things I, that I said in there? Yeah. You didn't even fill me in. Andy, okay. Okay. So on those, those two days. Uh, yeah. Know. Yeah. All that happened was we had Alison on Monday after that, and we didn't even, you didn't even share what happened. Right. right. So, um, uh, and of course, maybe when I talked to my lawyer, we also talked about the fact that I would be willing I'm not happy with it, but my compromise position would be to submit the information um, in writing in my file, but not I'm not comfortable with any digital record of it held by the district. Um, and I understood that they they were going to share that information with the San Francisco Department of Public Health. Um, so that was my compromise position um, for for doing this: is that it, it, it could have that information but it wouldn't be able to be stored digitally. Um, and that was expressed to my lawyer. And, um, and then I went to the Skelly hearing. So at the Skelly hearing, I basically said like this, look, there, this is that I did take exception with this idea of immorality. And, um, you know, first off, I told her the person um, that, you know, I love teaching and I, 
I want to continue to be a teacher um, and that my students actually think of me as a good teacher. They, I, I actually ask for, so I'll tell the story essentially that I ended up telling, telling the Skelly officer, which is um, you're evaluated. Your contract says, particularly if you're a tenured teacher, you can be evaluated twice a, uh, every two years. Um, but pretty much every year I submit evaluation forms to my students, sometimes at the end of the year, sometimes at the middle of the year, um, just so I can make changes um, and ask them, what am I doing well? What am I doing poorly? And what would you like me to change? Um, and pretty much the students all say that we like the fact that we can learn in your class, like that you teach well, you teach step by step, um, you make complex things or things that seem complicated easy, like, or seem easy or doable. Um, and the third one, I think I, and these are, again, these are the most common statements that they make is that they say that I'm fair. Um, meaning that I'm willing to teach any student that I don't give up on the students. Um, and even in my Skelly hearing, I admit that there are some times where I, I do <laughs> lose a sense of what can I do for a student. But I think the overall sense among my students is that I can, we can have issues, we can have problems, but every day is a new day. And um, I'm always there to help you learn um, in the classroom. Um, and uh, I think I also shared even the, the criticism that the most common critic. So those are the most common evaluations of like, you know, what they like about Mr. Lipson as a teacher. Um, and the most common criticism is that I can lose my temperature, lose my temper a little easy, you know, so that I should uh, watch myself on that. Um, and I agree with those, all those assessments that the students are making. And I'm proud of the, the fact that I, one, I ask them and two, that, um, that, that they're able to give me, they trust me to give me the, the good and the bad. Um, and the other thing I talked about in that was, uh, was the fact that as a teacher of a, I'm a ninth or 10th grade teacher, but I think over the course of, you know, 22 years of teaching, I've done over 300 recommendations for students. Um, and that's a little uncommon for a ninth or 10th grade teacher. Most recommendations are done by 11th and 12th grade teachers. Um, and I think the reason for that is, is one is that students actually learn something in my class. They know that they got pushed in my class and they feel like they want a, a teacher where they learn something to write a recommendation about them learning. Um, and during that recommendation process, I'll, you know, I'll have the student you know, I'll do an interview of them because I haven't seen them in a year or two. At least I haven't talked to them at, at length about what they've done. So I want to include that in my recommendation. Um, and secondly, I ask the students to read the recommendation and to see if it, if it, if it seems accurate. Um, and one of the things that the students are always surprised by when I, when, when they read the recommendation is how I end the, the, the recommend, the recommendation with my signature, you know, basically saying, Hey, I really recommend that you you know, accept this to, to student or give this student a scholarship. And I sign it off, Dr. Andrew Libson. Um, and Eduardo, you, you know that that's nothing I necessarily advertise all the time. Um, and I don't advertise it because I do think it, and students will ask me, the ones who I do the recommendations for, they'll say, why didn't you tell us this? Like, you know, why don't you tell your students that you're a doctor? And, and, um, and I say, well, I feel like it would just create a barrier between us. Um, and so that would, in some ways it would, be, we would be less accessible to, to each other if, if I use that, because it'll be like, I'm the font, font of all knowledge or something like that. Um, but the reason I do use it for the recommendation 
is I do think that that is something that a recommender will look at. Who is this person who's doing the recommendation? Oh, they're a doctor. Maybe I should pay attention to them more. Maybe I, maybe when they're saying all these wonderful things about this student, maybe some of the things that they attribute to me because I say I'm a doctor, they'll attribute to those students who I'm writing the recommendation for. So for me, I it's important for me to use that label, which I'm not sure what that signifies, or at least I'm not sure how important that is in, in absolute terms, but in terms of social terms, it's got some credit. I want to use that credit to give these students access um, so that those students are more likely to go to places that they're trying to get. And that's what I use my doctor. Essentially, that's what I use my doctorate for now um, is to give students access. Um, and so what I said to the Skelly officer was that I, my issues around doing this are large, are largely about privacy and the right to privacy. And I don't feel like you have any right to ask this information to me. And I feel like you have improperly in interpreted the, the health directives of the state by saying that I have to give you that information or I can be terminated. Um, but I, there's also a question of access. And what I said to the person was, you know, when, when we, when we, when colleges come in to our, our school or scholarships come in and they say, Hey, sign up your, your kid for, sign up your students for scholarships or sign up your students to go to this college. We'll ask them, well, do they need social security numbers? And those, and those, and those um, scholarships or those colleges that don't accept undocumented students will say, yes, they need to have an, they need to give us their, un, their social security numbers, meaning they are mandating those institutions and scholarships are mandating that they get information from, from the student to decide whether or not they are going to be allowed in. And so when you are, so we recognize that scholarships or colleges that mandate needing social security numbers are the ones that are essentially saying, if you don't have documentation, you can't get a scholarship or you can't get into a college. Well, what does it mean when we are mandating medical status? I believe it, it's another access question. I think it's, it, it's again, a question of once you go from a, a request for that information to a mandate for it, those are the usually the precursors towards restricting access. And in this case, restricting access of workers to do work. And I do believe, and I mentioned this to her as well, uh, restricting access of our students to be educated if we additionally mandate that they say what their vaccination status is. So these questions are very um, potentially very very dangerous ones to just go walking into and say, hey, we're just mandating, it's no big deal. It is a big deal because it does speak to the possibility of access. And then I additionally said, you know, and that this is even worse when this question that could lead to a restriction of students or workers to access happens to be in relationship to something medical, medically related, something that you're actually putting in your body. And whether you like, I mean, I did talk about this, like I have a degree from Johns Hopkins and I have worked with double-stranded DNA, plasmid DNA, which is the same stuff that's in the J&J uh, Johnson & Johnson shot. I have worked with mRNA, not synthetic mRNA, which is the mRNA that's in the Moderna and Pfizer, which is the thing that's inside the Moderna and Pfizer shot. But I know for a fact that these things are experimental. And I know for a fact that these things have not had wide use in humans. And we're finding out what the effect of them is now. And so the idea that workers or students should be 
mandated and mandated on the basis of possible access to take an experimental treatment is doubly dangerous, not just dangerous in terms of like, hey, people won't get access to, but now people are going to be potentially threatening their own health in order to be allowed to get into things. And I said, I don't, I think that's a bad world. I don't agree with that. And so I said, I took, I took, I told the Skelly officer, I take issue with the idea that whatever I'm doing is immoral. In fact, the reason I'm doing this has everything to do with morality. Um, And I take issue with the fact that you would say, I have no reason for doing this. I said, I have a lot of reason for doing it. And we actually, those of us who are trying to stand up for our students who are not with no documentation, we know the reason that we don't like it, that these students are mandated certain pieces of information before they get access to things. So why suddenly are we using this, these same things over here? Um, or don't we see the risks at the very least of seeing stuff there? So um, that was a, my kind of opening statement that I made to the Skelly officer. And um, I don't really know if that, what an effect because the Skelly officer doesn't really respond too much. They say they write some stuff down. They say they hear you. Um, my lawyer did feel like it was effective. So it is possible. It is possible that them hearing that might be the basis for going from 30 to 15 days. Um, maybe, I don't know. Um, it also may be, I personally believe that it fast tracks the termination process and 30 days is a long time to wait. So um, those are those are some, some things that come to mind. Um, that's a kind of a long speech, but uh, that was the first part or the longest part of the Skelly hearing, which lasted about 30 minutes with mostly me talking and the other person writing stuff down, saying a little bit about what they're saying, but you know they don't do much talking. There was a second part to the Skelly hearing. I can I can tell you about as well if you want. A second part, I think you should share your second part. Okay, because if uh, it was your second part of the Skelly hearing, right? Yeah. So the second part was just me basically saying how it made. I don't understand what the basis for the district changing the vac- your vaccination status being a request to your vaccination status being a requirement. Um, and that's st- that change took place sometime in September, uh, middle of September, and was not put on the document that they want you to actually write on until late September, until I wrote a grievance saying that this document is a request, not a requirement. Um, so it, it and and my reading of the California directive that, or the California health directive basically says, yes, they must verify, but also if the employee does not give or if a person doesn't give documentation, you must assume they're unvaccinated. So it says both those things. And that to me is very much suggests that it's a request for information, not a requirement. It's not clear to me what, how that district made that change. And the Skelly officer did not clarify that. They did not make any attempt to say where that came from. I just said, that's the source of my question. And this is the source of why I don't think this information is information I want to give it, give, but secondly, I don't think I have to give it. Um, and they never made really an attempt to try to justify it. They just said, well, we hear that you don't agree. Um, and then on that last basis, I said, well, that's where I opened up the notion of having talked to my lawyer and said, while I don't agree with the idea that I shouldn't have to give this information, I'm open to giving this information in an, in a, in a, in a, in a, in a written form in my file, then to be shared with the, with the district, I mean, with the San Francisco Department of Public Health, you could fax it to them or, you, you know, whatever way you can do that. I would prefer it not done digitally, but I don't want this information stored digitally by the district. 
Um, and I don't want to put it on smart sheets. I don't agree to doing that. Um, so that was the compromise that I was prepared to strike with the uh, district. And that was written down and I guess formally uh, expressed there in the Skelly hearing. So this is what they say. So if we look at the document now, but then they, they confuse me here. And this is why I wanted to get some clarity, Andy. So I'll just read here. So yeah. during the 14th of October, 2021 meeting, the district suggested several alternative ways for you to share your vaccination status. I understood, well, let me finish, such as verbally sharing information in the meeting, writing the information down on a piece of paper, mailing it, dropping off the information in writing to the district's human resource office, using the human resources confidential drop box in the lobby of 555 Franklin Street, or emailing the information instead of entering it into the smartsheet form directly. You did not accept any of these proposals. My understanding from that meeting was that you, that they had said that the person in the meeting with you had said, what if you did it this way and left it and you did not say yes or no to it. Correct. And here it's saying you did not accept any of those proposals. Right. They're, they're, they're just lying in that document. Like I said, I'm open to it. I said, maybe, but I would need it. I would need to see something in writing. Because right. the biggest issue was not just the, uh, the idea of sharing it in some written form, but then what would be done with that. Right. And, with, yeah. and then you had also said that. Oh, oh late- and mind you, I just want to be clear. And that, they, they getting that wrong. I like, was there's docu- like we have, I have a, I actually have a recording that says that that's not true. <laughs> so, um, you know, so that, that part is just false that I, that I refuse. That's not okay. true. Because, because actually, isn't that the time that you called me? Cause I was the one who answered. And then we had that conversation. Yeah. And then still they had told you, oh no, we, that was wrong for the person to have said that. Correct. At that what correct. What they came back later to our, my union representative was saying that, uh, that wasn't even really an offer because we can't offer that because uh, the lawyer went too far. They're saying that they did offer it. Well, they're saying they did offer it and that I refused. That's a lie. What they're also keeping out that is behind the scenes is that what at least our union represent my union represent union representative was told and then told me is that offer is not on the table um, because essentially I think our union had tried to ask for something like that earlier and they're like no we can't do that. Wow. All right. So then that's that's immediately false with an F. Yeah. Um, and then here we are the 29th of October at the scaling hearing. Scaling hearing. You did not dispute any of this. They're saying, is it true? I did not dispute any of this. Any of the, any of the, um, any of this that they're saying here in the first paragraph, if you look, excuse me, of the 14th of October meeting. As of, as of, at the October 2000 Skelly hearing, there was no, it's not like you did not dispute any of this. There wasn't a dispute, like what they're, because she, the, the officer never said, well, are you going to do this? And are you going to do that? They basically were hearing my side. What I suspect, what I assume they're getting at is what I don't dispute is the fact that I've been unwilling to share that information. Yes, that is true. You acknowledge that you did not share your COVID-19 vaccination status with the district, and you reiterated that your failure to do so is based on privacy concerns over the use of smart sheets to collect this information and because you disagreed with district's interpretation of the California state law that requires school districts to collect 
vaccination status. Right. That is what they are saying. I'm not disputing. And I think that's a proper summary, roughly, of what I'm saying. Yes. Can I share my screen? So then, so okay, so for listeners, uh, this is, we're reading into this document. People can look at the YouTube or uh, the C video yeah. format of this if they'd like to look at this, but I will be reading out loud. Um, so at the 29th of October, 2021, Skelly hearing you did not dispute any, you acknowledged that you did not share your COVID-19 vaccination center with the district and you reiterated that your failure to do so was based on privacy concerns over the use of smart sheets to collect this information and because you disagree with the district's interpretation, of yep. the California state law, we all, yes, 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 yes. You asserted that your reasons for not sharing your vaccination centers were based on reasonable interpretation of the law and medical science behind the COVID-19 vaccines. All right, yes. You asserted that because your concerns were, by your measure, reasonable, and your continued refusal to report vaccination centers was not immoral conduct. You just shared with us that that's what you talked to them about and you had right. issue with, you take an issue with them about Yeah. That. Yeah. Having carefully considered the evidence, I conclude that you knew about the directive to report your COVID-19 vaccination status and that you knew it was a requirement rather than a request. <laughs> so they're just going back to, they're basically just saying, as I understand it, look, dude, we told you to do this and you refused to do it. So we've given you a directive. You're going against the directive. They're basically ignoring the fact that there might be a reason behind or like that. They're just saying it's a directive. <laughs> they won't. <laughs> And I think they make it clear in the last paragraph where you oh, they basically are calling you insubordinate, you know, of, by questioning things. Um, you know, you're right. supposed to follow what they said, even though, you know, we, we in the previous episode, we talked about how the, the district themselves, you know, realize what we were saying, what you were saying, you know, and like about the mental health of kids. Right. And and being able to, you know, and they're, they're citing the thing that they did right like so we were proposing that kids you know needed to be near each other learning person right you had that event that we you know that you talked about and then the district reopened schools right citing the same things that you were citing before so the, but but here in this last paragraph they're saying that you know you weren't following rules at the time which were wrong rules correct they're going back to the circuits and the, so they go back to the, the basis for the recommendation and conclusion. That is why I should get a 15 day suspension. Their starting point is to go back to circuits in the park and, right. and say, you know, after reviewing all the information, we see that not only are you refusing to do stuff now that's related to these directives, which they're claiming are based on health and safety. Um, and, and then, but also last year, uh, instead, you ex hold on. Instead, you expressed an unwillingness to heed the orders of public health officers and abide by district directives that you that are specifically part of protection strategy for students, families, colleagues, and the greater community from an easily transmissible and deadly virus. Um, let's see. This incident was re oh, was recovered. Yeah, this incident was covered by an online news source, Mission Local. Um, in those articles, you stated that you were worried about. I was worried about. Um, uh, remote learning becoming permanent. Um, but didn't they, once again, they mentioned something about me serving pizza there I'm trying to see, but anyway, oh, they, they, were, didn't, they didn't mention the pizza. I didn't see this. I think, <laughs> I think they did as a, da, 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 da. It, you know, again, it also, um, they glosses over the fact that this was in school time, right? This was spring break. Right. Uh, and also was done with parents consent. So not only are they, the directives are, are over, you know, are, are mandating or go, trying to govern your own time, 
by you know family's discretion about you know their kids' education and well-being. Right. Yes. So basically, um, they're paying. There's a pa- there's a pattern of me not following health directives, um, and one that goes back to circuits in the park last year, and two now um, uh, this. So that's that is their flow here. But by and large, they're not. They're basically saying the big problem here is we've told you we that you're directed to do this. You're refusing to do it. You are there considered insubordinate. Therefore, we can suspend you. They're not really taking up any of the points. They 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 express hearing them, but they don't they don't try to like argue about them. Um, it's just a suspension based on the uh, well. I would say it's in partly just a suspension that's based on my unwillingness to submit the information. But when we get to the fact that, you know, later, as we talked about a potential deal to be struck, um, when uh, what is mentioned here about the possibility of me submitting it in writing, but not, not letting them store it digitally. Um, my, that, that's when my lawyer got back to me and was like, they're willing to have you submit it in writing, but they cannot promise that they won't be putting it in smart sheets. Let's talk about that. You know, so that that was essentially what came out of the Skelly hearing, which was uh, you can submit in writing and put it in, in, in your file in, in writing, but the district is not willing to promise that it won't there then be subsequently entered in smart sheets. Would you be open to that deal? And that was where me and Eduardo had maybe a difference of opinion. Um, and I ultimately said, no, I'm not open to that deal. Um, I've already compromised enough on this. Um, now I need to see the district give some ground on here. And um, otherwise, you know, I, I just don't think it's, it, it's nothing like they're not, there's no deal there, but basically they're giving me something that's equivalent to, to putting, filling that information in smart sheets. And that's what came up later. Um, I think it was during our, we were recording on Monday and that's when I first heard it. I just discussed it with Brandy briefly. Um, and I talked with Eduardo about it. Um, Eduardo had a difference of opinion about maybe what I should do. I think my lawyer was like hoping I would just take that deal. Cause you know, she was saying, look, if you, if you don't do this, they're going to suspend you. And then once they suspend you, they're going to ask you to put this information in again. And if you don't do it after the suspension, then you are subject to termination. And she said, are you prepared for that? And I was like, I think so. I mean, I'm not excited about it, but I don't, I don't see any deal in their deal. Like they're basically, they're basically getting, I could have just as easily avoided all this and just filled in the smart sheet. Yeah. I mean, we've mentioned before how this kind of exposes the fact that it's not just about learning vaccination status. It's about, you know, the fact that they don't guarantee, for example, in your case, the, you know, your wishes for your privacy to be honored. You know, they're not willing to make that guarantee, but they're calling you difficult, you know, um, over that. And um, yeah, yeah, and and the fact that it's the digital storage of this information and the digital sharing of this information that really is the key piece to this. It's not actually; it could be anything. It could be my eye color. It could be. I personally believe it could really be anything that they want to have the right to put digitally in there and be able to have free and and have it free to share among the various institutions and state actors who are going to decide what gets done with me as a worker or as a student. And so that really is the key 
to understanding this thing, which is why are they willing to terminate me on the basis of, yes, it's partly about on the basis of me not doing this, partly about a, a their sense of me not doing what I'm told. That is partly that. But I think the bigger part is that the information that is being stored is not as important as the method by which the storage is taking place. That is the key piece. The fact that it's I mean, done in conjunction with Microsoft, that it's done through smart sheets, that it, I do believe it's laying the basis for an infrastructure of daily pass, like you see in LA, which is the basis for digital ID, which is coming later. So that's why we both know, both the district, I think, I think the district knows, and I know that the real key here is the digital part less than the vaccine part, even though I still think it's my private information, they don't have the right to it. Like, in, and I just went to the airport and they get to ask your vaccination status. And it's, it's over and over again, you know, and in order to get through these things, you have to give that information if you want to. And that's not right. I think that's really a wrong way for our society to be going. Um, I understand why it's going that way because they're not trying to help us, but um, I don't have to agree with it. I just think it's, uh, you know, I was thinking of this phrase. I don't know who said it, but it's, uh, you know, leaders who are unquestioned, they do questionable things. Um, and so that's essentially what's at stake here too, is that, you know, you're, what they're saying, that this is how I read the last paragraph, you know, where they reiterate your, uh, they're calling, they're claiming a pattern of basically insubordination. Um, so you're not supposed to question you know, their directors that, you know, they're almighty and all knowing. Uh, and, you know, that is a scary thing, you know, because they, they, they again, um, changed their mind um, and, uh, and they cite science, but it's unscientific, just like forcing in this city vaccination of kids, you know, um, that, that is coming, you know, soon. Um, and uh, in order to access education, right? Um, yeah. Supposedly for their own safety, even though the science itself, you know, like studies show that, you know, there's no reason to vaccinate kids. Uh, yeah. and, and even like booster shots, you know, even the one of the, the experts, right, on the CDC uh, vaccination panels quit right over a disagreement over booster shots. Yeah. Uh, but um, you're not supposed to question these directives. And that's the world we're creating by not questioning in that in giving all the you know unchallenged power to so-called experts yeah i mean and i know eduardo you wanted to get to one thing but i want to say three three at least here's at least three things that come to mind for me when i think about not just vaccination of workers but certainly vaccination of students number one is the the fda emergency youth authorization process that just happened about a week ago or a week and a half ago, or maybe it was October 29th when, when Eduardo had said, man, it was two weeks ago. Um, the person who ended up, one of the people who ended up approving it pretty much said, we're not going to know how, what the effect is on kids until we start vaccinating these kids. So we just have to deal with that unpleasant truth. And he actually said he's going to support emergency youth authorization. So he's essentially supporting the experimentation on children with essentially gene therapy techniques. I'm sorry, that's what these things are. That's number one. Number two, the information is already known from British studies that for children, because children are, have such low effect from COVID, if they do catch COVID, the effects on them are so low that children are five to six times, male children are five to six times more likely to be hospitalized 
due to myocarditis than they are. That is the effect of the of the um, uh, of the of the um, vaccine uh, on them than they are to be done by affected by COVID. Right. That's number two. And number three, CDC and the NIH acknowledge that there have been that they're just starting studies onto the effect of these uh, so-called vaccines on women's menstrual flow and on menstruation, which means we're talking about effects on reproduction. And so you're doing, you before you've even done the study for the effect on women and their mens- menstruation, you're, 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 you're doing emergency authorization of young women. It's, I, I, I'm, I'm just, it's, it's entirely disgusting to me. And so there's an, on no, on no basis, can you justify doing this for young, but you can't justify mandating it. And you certainly can't justify having school boards across the state in this country, in this state, at least saying all these kids need to be vaccinated before they can come into school. Hasn't been done in San Francisco yet, but that increasingly it's happening in governor Newsom, um, who himself hasn't been seen for a while since he had his booster shot. Um, you know, came out a month ago and basically said, all these schools have to man, you know, we're going to be mandating students go be vaccinated in order to go to schools, which, I mean, they know this is not safe, but they also know that they've got to start young with getting kids vaccinated, getting them involved in this digital process, essentially, which is having their information, having like the LAUSD daily pass system and getting everyone, getting young people acclimated to that because that's the world of the future. So the youth are very important for this project. You know, and increasingly, it's just astounding uh, how, um, you know, like there is more evidence to show that it, what we've argued, right? Like this, are you, Lipson, you kind of, you know, open our eyes to that. And um, that this was, this was never designed to, uh, to, um, to uh, prevent uh, the spread of it, right? Because that is the premise of the mandates that this is a, uh, to protect the community, uh, you know, in, you know, we've talked about Israel, Singapore, uh, you know, and that the, in all the, the Israeli long year study that showed that there's no correlation really between like, um, you know, vaccination levels and the spread of COVID. And in fact, it's the opposite, you know, slightly uptick of infections with the higher vaccinated, you know, society, communities. Um, and so, yeah, it's not, you know, like, but this gets glossed over, you know, there is a new push in Europe. I know that Germany is coming into the news, you know, and they're blaming you vaccinated again. And um, it's just so much unscientific stuff. And we're just supposed to take it and not question the directives, you know, and it again exposes the fact that we live in a dictatorship, you know, uh, at our workplaces, you know, like, like we said before, that uh, we are only supposed to follow directives. <laughs> you know, uh, dictations, uh, uh, just like uh, undemocratic, right? We don't get, we don't get a say on this, on any of this, on the shutdowns, on the vaccinations, on the mandates. This is not up for voting. You know, this is not up for community decision. It's just supposed to follow the experts and not question them. And we've known that our experts constantly lie, just like they lied on 9-11, post 9-11, a massive lie, you know, and and there's many other lies. I know that there was also um, like a vaccination uh, impetus like in the 60s or 70s and a lot of people got, you know, side effects from it, you know, and 
and, and we didn't find out until later that you know that, that how horrendous this was and um that is another thing that gets messed up you know the the side effects from this for people you know real real side effects i was actually listening to the jimmy door thing on uh, eric clapton and how he's being vilified you know it, it, because he had side effects you know yeah. um and also this whole notion of breakthrough crisis is also a lie you know, there is massive, you know, there is a lot, a lot of people that are vaccinated are getting this shit. It's not, a, it's not like a one-off. It's not an exception. It's normal. People yeah. who are vaccinated will get this shit, you know, and so this is going to live with us. And so this notion that, you know, vaccines are going to save us, is a lie. And I think we don't want to address the fact that, you know, we need a healthy society, you know, we need housing, food, at medical access, you know, to live on, you know, good lives, you know, but they want to solve it with this one thing, or at least they pretend they want to sell us that idea that this is uh, going to bring us back to normality. And it, it just sucks that, you know, there is not really a big challenge to question these directives, uh, whether it be like, you know, in individual workplaces and, you know, locally, nationally, statewide. And, you know, we've, that's what we, we decided to do that group, right? So we can maybe put some people together to question more, you know, and, and not be so dependent on these so-called experts that lie to us all the time. And, you know, just like, if you really pay attention to just what Dr. Fauci has flip-flopped over it, you, you can tell how, how often they lie to us and manipulate us and, I was just going to add that, you know, so much of the uh, COVID symptoms of long, long haulers or everything is so, everybody's talking about, every time I talk about COVID and how I survived, I said, well, you can get long COVID or whatever. I think I, I want to share an article where long, you know, side effects of post-viral infections have always been a part of our history from the Spanish flu to the Russian flu to every single virus that we have had in the past, it has been part of, you know, our history with diseases. And so it's not, it's nothing new. It's just being scrutinized and zoomed into and narrowed into as if this is the special thing from COVID. And this is why it makes it especially dangerous. And so I, that's why I think there is this emphasis on, oh, well, COVID is the most deadliest thing we've ever encountered. And it's not, no, it isn't. It's, um, uh, there are other ones that are <laughs> quite pointed here. And just for me, like one more thing that kind of exposes uh, the fact that this is not about public health is the fact that, you know, we don't even consider natural immunity, you know, for, for, for people. Uh, I do think that eventually they're going to find a way to put it in the system. You're still going to have to prove that you're immune, that you're not, you're healthy, that you're, not a bioterrorist, yeah. uh, but you know this is not about herd immunity. Like, have they been selling it? You know, um, because then we would consider the cases of kids. You know, and like the most efficient ways to get there, uh, because kids are not the priority in this sense. Not that they don't matter. It's like that they're not at risk. You know, like the way that the fear mongers are doing it, mm -hmm. um, and so we would be protecting the older, right? If if it is exactly as they say these vaccines work. We would really focus on you know the most vulnerable in society, but we're not. Is um, everyone needs to be in it? Because like we've said, this the story that we're saying is that this is about digital identity. 
in tracking systems, tracking some surveillance, borders coming to our, our houses. Uh, and to me, like, I think with, the, I know that, considering that right now there is an environmental uh, summit, right? Like the COP26 or whatever. Um, this is also about that, the, the reality that the capitalists know, that the patterns of migration are gonna change, you know, um, and their masses of people are gonna shift and you know, not just internationally, but domestically too, in some ways. And, and not just because of the environment, but because of the economic decimation of capitalism. Because that's the main reason people are coming from Central America. It's not the environment, it's actually their economic refugees. Mm -hmm. And a lot of these people don't fit the limited, narrow scope that they've decided that is acceptable, just like they're doing with vaccines. You know, they're deciding a narrow scope of who, you know, who is uh, granted access so that's what, you know, I, I like the story, that comparison lips in the, you know, uh, undocumented kids and, you know, these vaccination mandates that it's about access. You know, that's what borders are in capitalism. They don't serve any other purpose but regulating um, labor, you know, and uh, because the, the rich and wealthy, they're always going to move in relative freedom. You know, this is not for them. This is for workers. And so um, not challenging this uh, and it, it's so dangerous. Um, because uh, it's just giving them free range to a new tool that won't let, they won't let go. We know what happened after 9-11. The surveillance system just got better and more in, insidious into our lives. And, and so um, it just seems that, you know, we haven't learned a lesson uh, from that. Yeah. And, and I know, Eduardo, I wanted to check to see if, if we're going to still discuss the thing we discussed before about difference of opinion about how I responded to the, the deal. But one thing to remember, and this is like, unfortunately, from those of us who claim Marxism, most Marxists have supported all these lockdown effects, supported the vaccines and stuff like that. that and I'm a Marxist. And one thing to remember about how Marxists look at it is we don't live in the same society. We live in a class divided society where there's a group at the top, we call them the capitalists, who have one set of interests. And there's a group of us at the bottom called workers. And there's other groups as well, but the primary group at the bottom that's that's important for the capitalists, for, for profits, are, have historically been those workers and who have a different set of interests. And those interests aren't just different, they're oppositional. And so we live in a class divided society. So a flag, a U.S. flag, is trying to hide the fact that we all live, like we're trying to say, oh, we all live in this same world, capitalist, worker, farmer, student. It tries to hide within this nation state the idea that actually there's there are deep oppositional forces within within society framed on the basis of we live under capitalism. And I would say a similar thing is true here because I actually do believe the capitalists are honest in a, in a, in a sense when they say we need to keep the community safe. What they don't spell out is which community. What they mean to say is they're trying to keep capitalist profits safe, capitalist control safe. Capitalist ability to manipulate workers safe. That has to be kept safe. How do you keep that safe? Is you distract people with a COVID, you distract people with a vaccine. And within that, you build a, a, gigant, a gigantic digital prison, essentially, under which you are going to monitor all the workers, control movement of all the workers, and even um, control behaviors of workers using, using that data and also developing alternative methods of assessing that data with the data by developing AI. So 
we have to understand that there is a community that they're trying to keep safe. It's the capitalist community of control. That is the community that's being kept safe. It's not workers. Are, we're not trying to keep the world safe. We have, to, we have to understand that capitalists understand that they live, they do understand the notion that they live in a divided world where they just have to decide things and they have to figure out what kind of lies that they can tell people to get them to go along. But the problem is, is our side, the people who are on the bottom don't seem to understand that there is a built-in lie in the system, which is we are not on the same team here. And so when they say keep the community safe, we have to understand they don't mean us, they mean them. And that's, that's the part that you have to ask, how are capitalists kept safe by imp 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 imposing vaccine mandates, by bi building digital IDs, and by collecting everyone's data? That's the question we have to try to answer. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't have much to respond to that. I agree. Do you think it's worth discussing in this episode your position on how I should have responded to the "we'll let you put it written in your file" and we we can't promise you that we're not going to enter into smart sheets? Oh, and just to be clear about the idea that All right. I'm not right. accepting that at that time and now I don't accept the idea of me putting written information into the into the file and this district saying, we can't promise you that we won't put this on smart sheets. That to me was not an acceptable compromise. And that, that's where I was based my, I based my opinion on. It's like, it was basically, you know, just like wasted time for the same thing because what they were saying basically, okay, just give us your information. We'll put it in for you, put it in the system for you, you know, it, you know, and so, um, yeah, it just it didn't seem like a compromise at all. Uh, it's uh, it's just them getting their way. Um, you know, I, I wasn't sure what Brandy would say about it because this was what, and my lawyer, I think, was like hoping I would kind of take it. In a sense, what it did offer is it offers me a face saving a little bit. I don't have to admit <laughs> that I don't know what the district's going to do. I can kind of say, well, I don't know what they're going to do. And so I could kind of, I could... It, to me, what it does is allows me an out, uh, public out to basically say, well, I put it in written form. That was me giving. And I'm not sure what they're going to do next. You know, and I can kind of say, well, I fought them to a standoff on that. And I'd say I don't. That's my feeling about what they're what they're trying to offer me there is like they're offering me a face saving device if I want to keep my job and not lose the possibility of continuing to teach admission. Yeah, so it didn't, again, didn't seem like a good deal. I said, uh, down, take it, basically. Yeah. But Eduardo, you had another thought about it. Yes, so. yeah. And I just to be clear, in case the district is listening to this episode, uh, you, you said no to that deal because they specifically said they cannot guarantee they would not put it into smart sheets. However, in this scarcely hearing uh, document, determination document, it says here, that you could have found they they offer they lied they they offered some other ways of being able to submit your information and quote uh, instead of entering into the smart sheets form directly and without they're, they're almost in saying here that there are other ways that you could have given your information with separately from smart sheets right and that is not what you were presented with on Monday the first of November they were saying there's no guarantee. So that's your position remains that 
that is the reason why you chose not to uh, um, take the deal, right? Yeah. Am I correct? Yeah. Okay, now I'll go into my disagreement with you. Um, I, I understood, it's not like I don't understand your position. It's simply, I personally feel the district hasn't done this for anybody but you out of 6,000 members or close to 6,000 members of educators. Uh, and I would even, as far as say, uh, the district employees, not just the uh, union uh, members. Uh, I do think the district has felt you've hit a nerve where you are the only person, I could be wrong, but this to my knowledge and to everything that we have been, and, and also from, from the unions also um, sharing with you, Otherwise, it would have had like a president or they would have known because they would have had other experience with another member. Uh, and uh, I do know several people who work for the district and directly in payroll and other areas and departments um, because they were teachers and now they are working for the district directly and are in communication with me. And they have never shared anybody facing a similar situation as you. So I, I, I think it's safe for me to assume that you are the only person having pushed them this far. And so it is something for a very large district as ours to be feeling the push and pull from this relationship they have with you because you are, a, to them it matters, a doctorate teacher. You are a science teacher, which is in high need right now. Uh, you are a consistent teacher. You hardly miss school. You don't even have subs as much. You hate having subs. Uh, you work in the Mission District, the high needs school, uh, high needs uh, uh, neighborhood, and you have students that love you. Obviously, you don't have much. I don't think you have much um, negative uh, evalu evaluations, and uh, and you, you know. I think people know that you genuinely love working. Um, even if they wouldn't acknowledge it in your hearing, it's quite obvious that even the Mission Local uh, article shares as to why you did it. There's no denying uh, that you may, whatever, you broke whatever the, they may not be okay with as far as the ma uh, the mandatory um, um, teaching of outdoor uh, with your position and students with the students is 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 against what they their directives, but they obviously know it comes from a good place. So why do I think that they? I think they they were bluffing. That's what I said to you then, telling you that they were not going to guarantee that they could they wouldn't put it in in the smart sheets. I think that they would have honored not putting it into smart sheets. I think they just wanted to have that as a way to say that this is not a guarantee, but here's the final deal we'll get for you. To be able to have the language that they've given you, the deal that they've given you, I think you've brought them enough to you. I don't think you've, I think there was sort of this push and pull where you wanted them to understand your position and to, to your refusal and for them also to try to make you do what they want you to do then striking a deal 
personally, I think you should have given your vaccination status in a written form, even with their no guarantee of putting into smartsheets, because there are other workers right now that we know of and that I know are fearful of the future of mandates. Right now, teachers, educators, given the California state law, uh, you are required to give your vaccination status, but you're not required to take the vaccine just yet. You are given two options in California. You are to take the PCR test or you are to take uh, the vaccination. And unlike LA Unified, uh, SF has struck this deal with UESF where it's either or. And so how long will this last? I don't know. Right. So I do feel that you have you have a responsibility for being one of the people having led this charge, having been an example for having been uh, a leader in this and being public uh, to, to stand with your colleagues, to stand with your compañeros, your comrades, to stand with your fellow workers. And sometimes that means compromising. And I do think that you sometimes being so as staunch as you are and being, you know, um, a knucklehead or however uh, in your stubbornness, I feel as if you are not, you talk about, sorry, Andy, I'm not trying to attack. No, you, go, go for it. You, you talk about being a socialist and, you know, I was just reading the other night on collective anarchism and uh, mostly the collective uh, anarchists of um, the anarchists in Spain were collective, collective, I forget how to say it. Collectivists. Collectivists, gracias. Uh, and so uh, there's sometimes greater, the, the bigger picture of the community that has to be taken into place. And you, if you are an if you are a socialist and you are thinking of your community and you are going to be standing in solidarity with your fellow workers, then you need to consider that this is going to greatly affect and disappoint your community. I don't think that giving, having given or taking the deal that, that was offered would have or is damaging or hurting your position. I think that there's a greater fight that there is to be had uh, that is coming and we are greater in numbers than, than we are divided. And so I do think that you are going to be missed if this suspension comes into a termination, if it becomes a termination. And, uh, and of course, I know you said that the fight will continue. You said the fight will wherever you are at. But there is something about being a union member. And there is something about being an SFUSD employee, something that even I, even as I fight, I'm sometimes questioned or people are wondering, why am I in this fight or what is my stake in it? And luckily, I'm on another side of the aisle, which is on the family side. So I still have an in on it, which annoys the hell out of my colleagues sure. um, because they wish they could just see me away from being involved um, and my former colleagues I should mention and but I sometimes do think I could cause or I could I could join the fight I could be doing more being you know another voice uh, as a member of UESF as I once was you know I was a member for more than 10 years and 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 now I'm not um, so um, you will be 
sadly missed. You, it's a disappointment. It's a disappointment to me on a personal level. I think that wherever you are going to be, obviously we're going to be friends. You're going to be around us, and I think that you will continue to be in this lucha, in this in this struggle. But it is a disappointment to me that you're not in the SF struggle. It's not in the direct SF struggle. Mm-hmm. We need you, and this especially is coming at a time where even though the mandates are not happening for school children right now, it is being rolled out and the mandates will happen next school year, I presume. And I don't know how it's, it's morally devastating for people like myself and other workers who are in this with you. And we, I can name a few, but I'm not going to at this moment because I don't, I didn't ask for permission, but who are going to be disappointed not having or being able to deal with, with this in a, in a more group in a stronger group uh without you the the what is the expression the 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 more the merrier and the more we have more of us together and cohesiveness and if you look at that that was my point in sharing with you and talking to you with brandy i know you spoke with kenny and allison and then hung up and i called you back and i said you know i really do feel andy you need to consider the group it's upsetting that you are going to choose something based on what you think is just right for you and not right for the group. And that's how I see it. I do think that you were looking out for yourself, your staunch position. That's my opinion. But I don't feel like you you put us as a group in priority. And that is, uh, if however that may come, however you may feel about that, that's my, my position. Yeah, no, and I think that that is what I heard you say before. And I know you were reluctant to say it as sharply when Brandy was on the phone, but I think you put it better here, or rather you put it more clearly here. Like, if you will, you're a so-called socialist, so-called collectivist, and yet you are doing this thing seemingly for yourself, or at least that's how you see it. And let me acknowledge some truth. Some of the things that I do agree with you is that there is a fight to be waged in San Francisco Unified around workers being forced to only be immunized and no PCR test. That fight, I think, is is coming. And there, may, there might be more teachers and might be more workers to be organizing with at that time. Secondly, there is a fight to be waged over the forcing of students to be vaccinated in San Francisco Unified. We're not, it hasn't happened yet. The Board of Ed meetings haven't happened yet, but that fight is there. And what I think you're claiming is, Andy, if, if you let them take you off the board now with this act of, if you will, that's based on your own kind of like what, what's important to you, um, not so much important for the cause, if you will, um, then you're just, you're just doing the district a service and you're doing your comrades and, form, and former students or students a disservice by not being there at that time. That's how I hear that, right? Yeah. And to put it even bluntly, I said to you, I got it even up. I didn't share my upset in my thing, but I also said to you, I don't know why you're asking Kenny and Allison, if you remember. I said, you should be wondering what I think, because Kenny is not in the same, this, this, and Allison isn't either. And I said to you, we are in this. It's the students, the families, and the teachers, and you are not considering us. Yes, we are together as workers and students, students from universities workers from the medical industry, from the from the service industry, from different departments. But in this specific fight, I need you is what I was trying to share with you. And I'm not sure if that came across, Andy. 
I, it's like, I need you to be in this with me and with AJ and with other teachers right this moment. Right. And you're not thinking about that is what right. I, I wanted to be really upset with you about. Yes. And I didn't quite catch that, but now I do understand it. And I disagree with that. The, what I mean is, is the reason, first of all, I'm not doing what I'm doing for me. This is going to hurt me financially. This is going to hurt me professionally. Like, this is going to hurt me emotionally, like, because I, I'm having to go away from, like, I was having my best year teaching. Like, I, I really have enjoyed this year teaching. So I don't do this um, out of a, there's no, nothing pleasant about this. I'm losing a lot, actually. I'm putting, I'm putting some stuff up for risk as well. But it does involve Allison, and it does involve Kenny, and it does involve everyone. It, it involves everyone, Eduardo. It involves students in Europe. <laughs> it involves students in South America. Like I went to Mexico, I saw the people masked. It involves them. Because this, this thing that is happening, this, this cycle of directives, which is putting us into a digital prison, what, I, what I'm attempting to do, and this is not just temp, I'm just saying, no, I'm resisting. Now, why is it not a collective resistance? It's not a collective resistance because I have no allies in this fight. There are people who agree with me, but they haven't been willing to go on record. They haven't been willing to do that. That's not, I'm not saying they, they should or have to, but that's not, I didn't create that situation. That's the situation in the class. That's the situation among my colleagues. And so I now have, I have to follow my sense of what is right, not for myself, but for the cause. And the cause does include Kenny. It does include actually what he is facing at his job and people like him is facing at his job. I'm not doing this for Kenny, if you will. I'm not doing this like, cause Kenny said, I got to do this for Kenny, but I'm not, I am doing this with them in mind. And, and I, and unfortunately it is going to be up to me and Brandy because we're the ones who are going to face the financial consequences of this decision. And I, so I do have to consult my wife about this, but if, if I have her blessing to take this fight, then I think this is the right fight because what I'm essentially saying is we as a class have to learn how to say no again. And we're coming back to this question and we have to learn how to know when bending is not breaking. Because honestly, when you, when the district gets away with saying, Oh, we'll, we'll let you put it in the file, but we're not going to promise to put that on there. Maybe they don't put it in smart sheets. That's not the important point. The important point to my colleagues and to other people fighting this is to say, you don't have to accept what they, you don't have to accept things on their terms. You can decide the terms that you think are acceptable. And those are the things you, sh you should be fighting for. And that's all I'm doing is I'm following that, that mantra. Um, and I do feel a responsibility to my colleagues and to my students to show that this is the kind of fight we're going to have to wave, uh, wage. And, and what I would say, Eduardo, and, and it would be true for you. And what I would say to any of my colleagues, if there are colleagues out there who feel like, Andy, you should not or rather, I want you there for that fight, then get in this fight now and help me with this right now. I'll just say that. It's like, I, no, no, not you, Edward. I'm just saying, I'm just no, saying, I like, you know, I, I'm just saying there are teachers who agree with what I'm doing. And if they thought, hey, Andy, we want you later for this fight, then their job is to get involved in this fight right now and protect and, and help push back on this situation so we can fight later. That's not my job to give in on the things that are important for our cause, just so people can we can have some sort of speculative fight in the in the in the in the in the in the, in the you know two months from now. And frankly, Eduardo, the reality is 
The reason people are staying away from the situation is because they're afraid of being in the situation I'm in, which means two things. One is I'm not sure people are going to fight when we get there. And two, I don't think people are going to want me in that fight. They're not going to want me in that fight because they may not want a person who is, who is a known quantity for bringing district ire and district fear on them. That's the reality. So it's not up to me to decide what fight am I willing to bear. It's up for the people who don't like this to decide, are you prepared to fight or not? And if you're not, that's fine. I'm not like, everyone's got their own situation right now. Unfortunately, the class of the United States is really messed up. But if somebody out there, <laughs> and including you, Eduardo, but if it was colleagues, felt like, no, Andy, this is not the compromise you should be making, then you need to pick up the phone, call me and say, Andy, how can I help you fight this right now? Because we need you to survive this for later. You, you should not be telling me, hey, take that, take that deal. It is not a deal. That would be the wrong thing to do. And I don't mean to exclude other workers and students, students yeah. from other universities or workers from other sectors. What I'm saying is, look, I last week I gave an interview to a reporter and the reporter was having a hard time finding families that do not want to uh, vaccinate their children. And I and I and I gave the the interview, which by the way, they didn't disclose any of the searches and stuff. But and you knew about this, right? I shared this. Yeah. But the minute I shared, there were attacks on me from families. And there were attacks from educators. I, I the same faces, of course, that I knew were going to attack. But there was also families that came out and reached out to me because it's in this specific sector. Like I understand that I'm in relationship with other workers from other sectors, or in other other families from others from other schools. But it is in this fight that families from SFUSD specifically have come out from the shadows and have reached out to me and are connecting with me now and are able to then feel safe that there are other people speaking out because I spoke out because I was, you know, I'm one of the family members now uh, in the mission district that is speaking out against these mandates along with, you know, our friend Dea. But it is, it is, it is something to, to be working. And, and I guess I know, you know, this, I'm saying it for the, our, our audience as well. It is something to be in the, in the same niche or the, the the same group that you are going to be, to, because I think that if one in this sector, if we can show or demonstrate or lead by example, other other groups or wherever, like if Kenny is at his job and he is working with other his colleagues, they might feel inspired or 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 collectively decide to work together. But I, I don't think that one worker here, one worker there, one worker there, we're all, I mean, yes, that is, we are collectively working together. We're in the same fight, but we're also kind of divided because it is in different sectors, just by the very nature of having different departments, having different supervisors, having different, you know, but if we, if we can just, you know, pause massively in one group and uplift that, you know, this isn't what we're not going to tolerate this. It is different. I do feel it is different. I don't know about you. I, I do feel it is different. Maybe this is what Kenny can chime in, but I, I do feel it is different. And I do find value that in what you're saying. You know, I think it's make me, making me think on my own stuff, you know, because I have differences with people I've organized with that I feel have um, left me to find a alone, you know, and or, or have outcasted me or, or like made me... Um, blacklisted me in silence in a way um 
and uh, you know and so I try to be as vocal as I can about inconsistency that I see between the fights those other fights and this fight um I think I don't have necessarily answers I think it's giving me stuff to think about because I do understand what you're your the spirit of what you're saying a lot of them uh, but at the same, and, uh, you know, and I believe in democracy, right? And, and, and sadly, right now, the majority is choosing to just go along. The majority is choosing to, to that they're not drawing a line here. You know, and I understand, you know, that um, that is the majority. And I choose to say, you know what, that's wrong. I, that, you know, we keep pushing the line because this line is not just about a bodily autonomy. This fight is about the environment. This fight is about, you know, the immigration. This fight is about, you know, the, the dictatorship of, you know, the corporate dictatorship that we live in in the United States that we call democracy. Uh, this is about, you know, democracy. This is about, uh, you know, a million things. All the fights that you can bring in segregation, you know. So it's, it, it's not in, you know, um, and, and I think that's a failure of us as a class to see that this is connected. You know, this is not a fight for tomorrow. You know, like, just like the difference that we've had, in, right? Like over the voting, you know, um, you know, and, and we had an episode of where is your line, you know, and, and people will have different lines. And, you know, I try to share my experience as much as I can. There is private stuff that I haven't shared. I've chosen that. You know, because it would have repercussions on my immediate survival, mm -hmm. you know, my ability to make a living. And, you know, so this is about that, too. You know, and this is what Lipson is exposing, you know. And so now it, it's to me as a comrade, it's, it's about whether I, I see his struggle, you know, as an individual and I join it or not. If I see value in that or not. And people, different people will, will bring to light some shit that we won't see in the struggle, you know, because I am not going to pretend that I'm all, omni, uh, you know, all knowing and, and stuff. There will be people that will challenge, just like you're challenging us right now, Eduardo. you know, and that's what the struggle will take, I think, you know, having these conversations that are differences. And I just happen to agree with Lipson on this one, that there is a line, this line, you know, I think we are at a threshold of something massive, like earth, earth shattering. It's not a small thing. It's not a fight to be fought tomorrow. That's why I'm on the side of Lipson on that side of the line. That is not, a, this fight cannot be prolonged because this is some massive shit that is happening that we think is just, you know, going back to normal or whatever. Like we are being held ransom. We are being pinned against each other, you know, our collective is being pinned against us. They did it when they, they brought up the whole herd immunity bullshit. So you don't think that anti-abandoned the rest of us? And he's not. He's actually, he's in, up in front. He's saying, I'm here. He's taking out his chest. His chest. He's saying, I'm here. I'm going to take a bullet. Right. I'm going to take a bullet. Who else is going to want to rise up? But I think they're strategically, where you, when you will take the bullet. No, I think strategically well, that's his yeah. line again and like again if people are not willing to see these uh, this fight over privacy surveillance you know uh autonomy bodily autonomy over you know all this fucking shit that we fight in different issues you know on abortion on immigration you know on over the environment all this shit if we don't see that right now then i think we're massively fucked
Because, and that's, I think, what's happening. Because people are not seeing the connection of all these things that we've been put in a difficult situation. You know, that's why I refuse this shit. Personally, that's where my line is. You know, and I'm not trying to be a fucking hero because it sucks. I'm not going to lie. I'm scared as fuck. Mm-hmm. I don't want to lose my income. I don't. I don't do this because I'm fucking stubborn. I am stubborn. You know, I'm similar to Lipson. You know, I think that's why we are so militant in some ways, of course, you know. And, but I just see so many things. Come. I know too much. I think I know too much. Maybe I'm wrong in some ways. But I think I, I make too many connections with what's happening, you know, thinking ahead. Uh, I, I, and I feel I see a fucking uh, train wreck coming in our hands and we keep pushing that. No, we'll fight tomorrow. We'll fight tomorrow. You know, and so this is about the, the democracy of the masses, because a lot of people and you know, it, a lot of people have done this under duress and misleading information. A lot of people have considered over that. And so trying, this is what we're trying to expose. This is what that letter that they sent to Lipson exposes. That this is not about public health. This is not. This is about our past, our present, and our future. <laughs> you know, and so that's why I, I I choose to be to draw this line here. And so, like like just like you, the questions that you're asking, Lipson, I've asked myself those questions. You know, in 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 terms of organizing with some people that have basically I, labeled me a bioterrorist, right? Because I choose to travel. Uh, because they succumbed to this massive lie manipulation. Uh, and there's people who don't fucking touch me right now politically. You know, just like Lipson and other people, AJ, that have previously, you know, written articles in leftist magazines, they're also choosing to blacklist. So is, is that, a, so if, for me, like that, this line is conceding to that. And so it, it, this it, this line is a lot thicker, uh, you know, like than 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 just like a just get over it type of thing for me. That's that's where I see it. it, it the implications are massive. There's not they're they're, they're not like just uh, you know they're massive in personally because the fucking capitalists have made it so, you know, and that's how they want us to 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 wield us to they want us to bend to their you know and they they've done it publicly. And, and that's why I find it, you know, that's why I think that it's, it's important to people that have reputations like Lipson. Like, you know, I respect Lipson for so many reasons, right? Like, I disagree on some of his approach at times, just like you, Eduardo. I do. But, you know, like, that's why I take issue when they call him immoral. He's the furthest from immoral there is. But that also shows, like, you know, the depth of, of tactics they're willing to go to get rid of him. Right, because it's not Lipson abandoning that. Don't get it twisted. Lipson is up front. That's what I see. Lipson is in the fucking front line, in the very first row. You know, and it's it's just a matter of who else is willing to, to take a punch, take a bullet. So I don't think he's abandoning. He's right up front. The, who, I, I think cameras are abandoning Lipson and me. That's how I feel. People have people have abandoned their fucking principles and being inconsistent with their principles. As people who fight for freedom, you know, for others, as people for fight to fight for justice, as people who fight for other people, and for ourselves, obviously. I think I don't think Lipson is the one abandoning this fight. I think others are running away from it. 
and so be it. But you know, like just like Lipson, I've learned to speak what I think is true. You know, and and that's and I think I that's the society I want to live in. I don't want to live in a society where because just the majority is saying I still want to have autonomy, even if I fucking disagree, even if that's what you choose, I still want to have liberty. You know, that's not the socialism. And I think that's the interpretation of socialism people have. That's the interpretation of in, in their right to be fucking afraid of that. Mm-hmm. Because that's the socialism a lot of motherfuckers are pushing. The socialism that imposes people shit on people. And I don't want that. Fuck that. Call me an anarchist if you want. <laughs> Call me whatever. But I want to live in a society where I have the autonomy to question every motherfucker in power. Including mm-hmm. my comrades. And I think they're wrong right now. They're abandoning the fight. So we're not abandoning the fight. I'm sorry, we're not. Well, I, just to be clear, I, I mean, I'm not the spokesperson for the rest of us to be able to express. I think I'm one of, I, but, I, I, but I also feel safe enough to, to assume that there are going to be um, different levels of disappointment or different levels of reasoning that there should have been uh, a more... Um, close to look at this to stay in the fight for other workers that are wanting to hold out this, um, hold this out for as long as they can uh, with their status and the papers that they've been required to fill out uh, and asked to comply with directives from the district. I, I do think that I just feel safe enough and maybe they can come on and speak for themselves if they wish. It, it is it is a a very big blow um, to not be able to consider to stay in at San Francisco uh, struggle in this specific uh, area. Do you see? But Libson has said it. He wants to stay there. You know, right. he's going to continue being a struggle. Maybe if he's forced out, like it's not his choice to be out. You know, and, but at, the, at this time, I, I as, a, as a comrade, I'm, I'm, I'm talking to other comrades. You know, this is what they're doing. He's not doing this. This is not his choice. These, they're doing this to your comrade. So what the fuck are you going to do? That, that, is, that is the answer. That is the question I mean to answer. A camera that has shown up for many people. A camera that's consistent, even if you disagree with his methods at times. A camera that has been consistent in his values you know, in, in his self-actualization in politics, you know, a camera that I personally like, I, I admire in so many levels for that consistency, ability to show up, to fight, and to say we need to fight. And he's, he's and guess what? He's already, put, he has submitted to the, 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 the shifting line of people so many times because they never wanted to go on strike and he respected that. But this one also involves individual choice and autonomy. So I see why, you know, his line is there. I personally choose that line too. And he's been forcing to that, face that line. And so it's about who else is gonna come up to the line and say, you know, what's up? That's how I see it. So I don't see a failure in his part. I see it on actually on other people that don't wanna fight now. And that's fine. If that's what people choose, that is their fucking choice. But I'm saying that that, just like Lipson, I'm saying that's gonna complicate things even more. And then we're gonna, are we gonna continue to push the line? Because we always have. We'll, we'll kick the can down the road. We always have. And this is It'll too be, massive. Yeah, sorry. That's I don't it. think, 
Yeah, I don't think that that's what we are proposing or not that to. I, I I think that this is a discussion that it would be warranted online as well for folks that would like to comment. I think this is a good opportunity for our audience to engage and to share in the comments below this, either on the episode notes, uh, excuse me, on the comment section of the YouTube channel, or if they would like to, um, um, they could always send their feedback. You know, they could find this on our blog. But I, I understand that the goalposts are being shifted. It, but it would be, it, it's not like they're just being shifted as a compromise for one, it's a compromise for a greater, you know, and that's my argument. And I'm not going to uh, belabor the point. I'm, I'm just simply uh, wanting for folks that are going to come in to understand that part, that it is not the goalposts of to a compromise for the district, it's the compromi compromise for the rest of your colleagues and the rest of your uh, um, compañeros to be able to work with them and to stay in the fight with them and the struggle with them that I'm I'm looking at and it's it's I think that this is just different way of you know, seeing it and that's the way I I'm seeing it from the side of what would the group need at this time not what are you compromising for the district. But what you compromise for your group and that is I, I hope it comes clearly for folks that are going to come in to understand my position yeah and i'm i don't think i'm going to argue like i think kenny <laughs> did a great job arguing what i what i at least see but eduardo i do think anyone who's listening to this should be able to i hope can understand where you're coming from what i think is important to understand and this is this is the part i do agree with you on eduardo is, and this is the part that maybe, quote, excludes Kenny, because you and I have been very much involved in the SFUSD organizing. So mm -hmm. in that regard, and it's not an accident that I called you up after I first heard about a deal and we talked about it and you said, I mean, you gave me some advice and I, I agreed with that on this one. And it's not an accident that I'm talking to you again about this. And it's not just a what left thing. It's, it's the situation that you and I have found in common organizing because I don't really have any other comrades involved in this particular struggle as it relates to SFUSD except you. And for that reason, you are qualified to make both your recommendations, advice, and criticism. Like I, I take it, I don't necessarily agree with it, or it can sting sometimes. Like you say you're a socialist, but you know, like, like, oh God, <laughs> you know, but but I know you're not trying to hurt. You're just trying to say how what you are trying to communicate to me is how passionately how strongly you feel I might be making a mistake here for the cause, not for me, but for the cause. Um, so honestly, in this regard, you are the only one qualified to make this criticism other than somebody else who's in SCFUSD or who's been around and who feels the same way. I might listen to them, but they haven't been like, but those folks already know what I've been doing. I've been publicizing it. I've been publicizing it here on what's left. I've been publicizing it uh, through mission. I've been publicizing it in emails. So people know, like they've just decided to stay out of it, you know, and maybe they want updates and things like that, you know, sometimes or whatever, but they're not going to say anything and that's fine. So if they, if they, if they hear this and they go, you know what, Eduardo's got a point. I, anybody can pick up a phone and call me and be like, this is what I think you should do. I, I kind of agree with Eduardo and I might hear it then. I'm going to hear it more from you, Eduardo, because I've seen the risks you're willing to take and I respect that. I think it might be tougher for me to listen to other people who I haven't seen take those same risks you know, but I'll listen, you know, and be like, okay, 
are you up for getting involved in this fight then? Or are you just telling me to back off, back down on my fight to make you feel better? You know what I'm saying? That's not what you're saying, but I'm just saying other people I'd have to kind of check that on. So um, this kind of conversation is the kind of conversation that when we talked about what's left, we talked about we wanted to have a place where people could really talk about ideas. But now we also have to talk about we, if we're going to build a strong movement, we also have to be able to talk honestly about our assessment of tactics and our assessment of right and wrong, or the, should we do this? Should we do that? And on this one, I'd, I'm fine with leaving it as it is because I feel like you've represented your position well. I feel Kenny's done the best. I mean, I did my job, but I think, Kenny, you did a great job. Like, particularly, one of the things that really came across for me, Kenny, that I haven't, it's like, I've, this question of the fight starts now is not a small point for me. I keep coming back to that. Like, we can't keep, I do agree very much with Kenny, we can't keep putting off this notion of a fight later. I have seen the effect of doing that means when we get to later, there's no fight then either. Because the fear that you're having right now that's keeping you from fighting now, you think that fear is going to be less later? No, it's the same fear. The, our opponent is more emboldened because they already got away with two or three things, and now they're trying to get a fourth. So you're fighting him then. So my lived experience with giving in people who want, who are giving in is that they don't they don't do the fight effort you know and th th at some point they got to start and since i'm on my own here and it does involve me um i don't have a lot of people to listen to right now other than you once you give in here then you get to that same place again and then suddenly your opponent rises up and says i'm going to fuck you hard if you do that and you're like oh okay maybe not now maybe i'll do it later it's the same. They, they're playing the same game over and over again. Terrify us. Tell us what to do and terrify us if we don't do it. And if you don't give into the terror right now, you know, or if you give into the terror right now, why are you not going to give into the terror later? You know, what's what's happening for me is on a very personal level, you know, there is there is this mandate for children. And I I've been discussing with Jonathan what we're going to do. And I've been organizing, trying to find families. And finally, I found just three that are willing to do, to really take on, you know, the whole media attention, being able to be the, the face, as so to speak, of San Francisco, because I have a crazy idea. And I've got three families that are going to do that with me. I finally have three. And that was hard just to even convince them this Saturday. I had to do some, a little bit of convincing and persuasion. And to be in the news, if they decide to take it on, I think they will because they have no choice to, right? And already feeling had gone through that with uh, a whole school lockdowns and to be on the face of that for families and, you know, not feeling that not feeling that alone when you were facing it as an employee and us facing it as families, it was something there. There was that alliance. And now you're not going to be there. So I guess for me, what comes up is just feeling that it feels as if I'm with people, but they're also not going to take the risks that I'm willing to take myself as you have demonstrated that you are willing to take risks, right? And this is getting scary and scarier because 
as someone said, and Jonathan and I were watching it, it's one thing to be vaccinated as an individual, as an adult, but not our kids. And that's where Jonathan's not willing. Like he is going to, he's willing to be vaccinated if he has to be under duress. He said, like, if I have to, I'll do it because of my livelihood for my kid. But I'm not going to allow my child to be experimented on. That's where I draw the line. So we talked about where do you hold the line? And for him, for Jonathan, it's my son. And he spoke very passionately to these families. And some families were, and they found the strength within themselves as immigrant families to say, that's my line too. And so it is difficult because I know that John and these families are looking at me as what do we do now? So we found the strength within us, but we don't know what are the steps or how do we organize or how are we going to do this? And that responsibility, the burden on me, that is very, it's a very, um, it always feels like when I was in Occupy or when I was in Occupy Monsanto and had to take at 24 years old people over and drive them over to, to this little protest that's on the news that I like, I remember that feeling of being responsible for others, people and taking my bullhorn. It, it is a little bit traumatic, but also rite of passage when you're organizing. And it's always the feeling of feeling alone because people are dependent on you that I didn't, I don't feel when I have another person who also is an organizer, who is also on the line with me, who is not just dependent on me, but sharing ideas and bouncing back ideas with me. And I think I still have that access to both of you and with you, Andy, but it is different when you're not in it. And that's what I feel. I feel not that you've abandoned me, like, but I do feel, you know, stressed maybe. And I do feel, it's a very precarious situation I'm walking into and I'm scared and I don't know how I'm going to do it, but it does feel heavy. It does feel heavy. Not to dis, to, to undermine the heaviness that you feel financial burden or the things that you're going through. I don't want to undermine any of that. Yeah. But as a collective group, as, as, as we fight, I, you know, it, it, it's going to be, it's just disappointing on that level. I'm not sure where everyone else is. I don't even know if my friend is willing to hold the line for her children. I'm not sure. Sometimes you'll find parents are a bit more, they'll find it within themselves because they'll find the line is within themselves and not going to allow it. But I do think that that line is within them is going to make them to pull out of school instead of fight. Yeah. Which is what a lot of families are going to do instead. Because I've heard that. So I don't know. That's where I, this is coming from. And this is going to happen, I know, because the mandates are already set. Newsom went to just my neighborhood, to James Denman here, and spoke and said and announced at that time, what was it in September, that there will be mandates. And right now they're not mandating for this year, but pretty soon they will. So, yeah, it's challenging. I'm not trying to get emotional about it. It's just very like, oh, God, it's daunting, no? Done too. Kenny, do you have any final thoughts? Ah, man, it's um, that's uh, that's the hard part, you know. Like you don't, there is no roadmap you know, ahead. Like, uh, um, like at least personally, like I choose to be loud about it, you know, about my situation as much as I can. I actually haven't disclosed everything because, you know, 
the, the consequences are real. You know, I don't, this is not a joke. Um, you know, I'm not trying to play fucking organizer or, you know, like, I just generally care about my health. I care about my health, like my safety, that those are the people I love and care about. And my friends, you know, I, I there is a lot of people under duress and it, these stories don't get publicized, you know, like the repenting unvaccinated. You know, there are real consequences under real duress, people, you know, making decisions and that's not okay. You know, like for me, I'm not, you know, I, I consider myself, uh, you know, Marxist, socialist, revolutionary, you know, uh, aligned with Fred Hampton, you know, uh, I, and, and, you know, the, the people that have given their lives for, for a better world or whose life has have been taken away. And again, I don't romanticize, you know, that I don't want to be a hero. I don't want to be remembered, you know, like in that way, I think, you know, I, I just I just care and, and and I care what I'm literally seeing. You know, I'm not hypothetical. You know, I have friends, I have family members who are getting these uh, you know vaccines because of the pressure and the humanity. The other day, and this is why I'm fighting against. You know, I don't want to lose my own humanity because I at work these group of people were having dinner. I'm a manager at a restaurant, for those who don't know, but I was listening to this table making fun of the unvaccinated, the unprincipled idiots, they said. You know, that, that how they dehumanize people who don't um, choose to challenge, you know, whatever the reasons, some people I will disagree with, you know, those are not the reasons I'm, I'm challenging this. But still, it's their own livelihoods and autonomy, especially when this shit has shown that it's not about community. It's not about protecting other people. You know, and I, I just, that's, that's what I'm fighting against. To see, you know, other people as subhuman and accept that as normal, accept that as, as okay. That's, that's, if I accept that, I'm failing the other fights I've fought. You know, I'm being, Disingenuous. I'm not being consistent, you know, in, in fighting for immigrate, immigrant rights or, you know, just for a borderless world. In fact, if I'm okay with this shit, I'm okay with that shit. I don't want to be a fucking hypocrite when it comes to this. You know, I, I want to be consistent, you know, because I care, because I've, my mother has taught me to care. My mother has been, you know, a, a community organizer of sorts, not in an official way. But she's, she sees wrong and she will fucking say something about it. And she will do something about it. Even people she disagrees with and she fucking hates, she stands up for those people. When unfair is unfair. And so that's why I'm in this fight. You know, and, and because they left me and people I care about without options. Just to get their fucking money. You know, because this isn't about public health. That's not how I see it. And so, I, again, that's that's why I'm... I try to be, you know, I'm not in front like Lipsonist. I'm not, you know, like my job, it's okay for now, but we'll see what other minders will come down the pipe. My livelihood is okay for now. I've had to make concessions to lines that I haven't discussed publicly, you know, that I, you know, based on my current state, you know, I've made those uh, compromises, I guess, even if I disagree with them, so that I do understand your question, Eduardo, you know, and I think it's a question that we all have to answer to ourselves. Um, and 
I hope that, uh, you know, just more people see that this is not okay. None of this. None of this is okay. I think this has been a good discussion. And I think the this last part has probably been, for me, the most important part, which is to discuss what's the right way to do, what's the right thing to do, and to figure out how to do it. And for people like yourself, Eduardo, to, to say, to speak what's on your mind. And so, and for people to know that this doesn't set, these conversations do not separate us. They bring us together. And I will tell you, Eduardo, I personally, I do believe if I see this through, I will be in a better position to help you and your families see your fight through in, and figure out how to navigate that than if I don't. That's my, actually my belief. I actually believe I'll be a better ally for you if I see this through properly uh, than if I, if I do some of the things that I think you're recommend, recommending for the, for the right reasons. I actually believe I'll be more, more of an ally for you and a better ally for you and more meaningful ally for you um, in the struggle um, if I see this through in the way that me and Kenny are talking about. Right. So, I mean, the way I'm dealing with it is I've discussed that I'm going to put off my memoir of Saul on the side, and I've been writing instead what I've been going through because I've been sleepless at nights and Saturday because now I'm family's depending on me. So I'm going to write this article that I'm writing on, that I'm working on, and I want both of you to read it. I'm going to publish it on Medium, why children are, why American children should not be vaccinated is how mm -hmm. I should. I, I'm titled on it. Uh, so let's conclude. Um, I appreciate and I hope people see the value. I want to just add that these conversations isn't like, I know we talked, the, the topic is about Andy, but just like even with the Diego, there's a hummingbird, also, believe me. Uh, just like it's, uh, it's, about, it's about Andy or we have conversation about Diego Rivera or et cetera. I think that it's like a prompt, no? It's a conversation, but all of these other things are brought up. So I really do hope, and I should have said this maybe in the beginning, but the conversations really are uh, a conversation about many other things that I've, it's related. Unfortunately, because of what Kenny and Andy has said, I doubt that this episode will be on YouTube. Uh, Andy talking about gene therapy, and Kenny <laughs> talking about other, I forget something he said. Uh, so again, I remind folks that, uh, to jot down this information, this, our blog everything because you won't find this on youtube anymore and um and these conversations are about i it's shutting shutting down logical conversations of risk or cost benefit analysis it's about censorship it's about health it's about choice surveillance data storage collection so um it's and, about all these things and about changing the world yes how to change the world for sure that's why we're here i was going to say something else about the environment because i do see environment uh, lockdowns coming soon yeah. that's going to be the next thing and that's yeah. going to be challenging for me as an environmentalist facing that. don't worry we're going to have avatars to live through. <laughs> <laughs> I agree with you Eduardo yeah. I agree alright well that does it for this week's episode um, what's left is a weekly political podcast slash channel challenging the mainstream left we post information about our and our guest on the episode notes where you found this episode or on our blog at what-s-left.com please jot down our information uh, this channel is in jeopardy again once again Kenyon and Andy want to put this channel in jeopardy you can find past episodes to this podcast last channel there and connect with us I remind folks if you fancy anything you have heard here please share your favorite episode rate review subscribe 
uh, turn on your notifications to any of our uh, um, uh, any of our eight platforms on um, Spotify, iTunes, Podcast, Stitcher, Google Play, uh, BitChute, Odyssey, YouTube, or Telegram. I think that was nine. And if you would like to give us feedback about something you've heard or suggest something for us to cover, contact us through our blog and Andy will surely contact, uh, respond back. I'm Eduardo Barca with hosts, co-hosts Kenny Zepeda and Andy Lipson. Thank you. That was a bit choppy. Thank you very much. See you all next time. Ciao.